0: Good morning, and we are so glad that you're here. I want to say a big welcome to those that are joining us online this morning, and for those that are in our Okatee campus meeting at River Ridge Academy, and for those that have joined us here in Old Town, and we got a great morning planned for you. It's, it's uh, continued in our series on the life of Joseph, and there is so much in this story in the Old Testament. There's so much for each and every one of us to walk away with. And so it's, it's exciting to be back in that this morning. Uh, so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Genesis. And we're going to be in chapter 42. And uh, I hope you packed maybe a brunch with you because we got 42, 43, 44, and 45 to cover today. Okay, so just throwing that out there. Just buckle up. We're gonna go for a ride together. So, hey, I, I don't know if you've ever traveled much. Uh, do any of you like to travel? Anybody, just say, hey, I enjoy traveling. Um, I, I enjoy traveling today much more than I did, say, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I remember I was uh, I was traveling. I'd gone to to Michigan to visit my grandparents, and uh, and my wife was with me, and we were we were kind of newly married at the time, uh, and. While we were departing Grand Rapids, Michigan to fly back to Savannah, Georgia, um, I checked in a bag that weighed too much. Has anybody ever done that? Okay. Um, and and I, was, I was pretty young, and God has done a great work in my heart over the last 20 years, thankfully. Uh, but I remember how frustrated and angry I was because they just wouldn't let the bag go. I mean, it was, it was only like a pound over. It wasn't a lot, but it was just a pound over the limit. And of course, the, the embarrassment sets in. I don't know if you've ever had to do this, but the embarrassment sets in because now you have to figure out where you're going to put the things that you need to pull out of your suitcase so that it meets the weight. And I don't know if anybody's had to do that, but I, and I've never had to do that since. But I threw, I'll be honest with you, I threw a bit of a temper tantrum. I don't know if you've done that, but I threw a bit of a temper tantrum. I, you know, zipped my bag open, and I opened it, and I pulled stuff out, and I'm trying to stuff it in something else, and I'm, I'm just angry at this moment. And what happened was, after I threw my little temper tantrum, I go to zip my suitcase back up, and the zipper broke right? I think some of you have been there before. The, the interesting thing that it, th- about this is you look back, of course, 20 years later, and you think, man, that was, that was pretty silly how I did that. But the reality of it is there's so much work that God needs to do in all of our hearts, And for me, that was one of the things that he had to work on, was the way that I I overreacted to certain circumstances that I found myself in. And I don't know what it is that's in your life, and I don't know what it is that's in your heart, but here's what I do know. You showed up this morning. You're listening this morning. And what that tells me is that God has a work that he wants to do in your heart. And that's what I really want to challenge you with this morning as we just jump into these few, few chapters. Is I want you to try to think about what is the work that God needs to do in your heart? What is it that you're facing today? Maybe, maybe it's an anger Maybe there's some impatience that's going on in your life. Maybe there's just some overwhelming frustration that seems to be all around you. Maybe there's just a whole lot of hurt that you're holding on to. Maybe there's some unforgiveness that you've been dealing with. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been fighting with your spouse or your kids. And maybe you're just at wit's end with all of it. I know that God wants to do a work in your heart. And so I'd love for us to take a moment before we jump into this and just, and just pray and, and pray together for God to just work in our hearts because he knows what you need, by the way. If you're sitting here going, well, I don't really know what it is that he would want to work on. He, he knows, okay? He knows, so let's just let him do his, his thing. Let, let's let him do what he does in our lives. So would you just bow your heads with me and let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. And God, I thank you that you are working in all of our lives, in all of our hearts. And Father, I pray that as we just jump back into this story, I pray that you would encourage us. pray that you would challenge us. God, I pray that you would show us how you want to do the same work in our hearts that you, you've done in the life of Joseph. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Genesis 42 is on the heels of 41, and Matt did a fabulous job last week. And he really, you finish that chapter 41, and you're introduced to Joseph's sons. And he names one of the sons... Uh, because he he believed that God had allowed him to forget the things that had happened to him. And and you're probably in a place, I would imagine, where um, something has happened to you along the way. There's been some kind of hurt or pain that's happened to you in your life, and, and you might be at that same kind of place where you would like to forget, but you're having trouble forgetting, right? Um, it, but, but that's where we are at the end of 41, and so... It, we're introduced to just the beginning of that famine that takes place as Joseph interpreted the dreams for Pharaoh. They knew that there would be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And as famine sets in, Joseph has his children, and uh, and then he's, he's in this position that he's making a difference in his life. And then chapter 42 happens. So just as he says, right, I've named my child so that because I, I know that the Lord has caused me to forget, there's this change that takes place. Now here's one of the big things I want you to think about and I want you to realize today. I don't know how good you are at relationships. I don't know how good you are at friendships, right? But, but here's what I want you to realize is that when you are, right, in the midst of whatever the detour God has you on, right, when you're in the midst of that detour, here's what I want you to remember. There are other people on a detour as well, You're not the only one who's struggling with some things. You're you're not the only one who has some things going on in your life that might be a little uncertain. There are people all around you. In fact, if you look around the room this morning, if you're at River Ridge, you look around the room at River Ridge. If you're online and maybe there's people that have gathered with you, what you will realize is there are all sorts of people at all different places on the detours of their life right? We were we had, we went on a mission trip with a team that went to Ecuador this past summer, and we were flying. We got from Ecuador to Miami, and we were on a plane getting ready to leave Miami to fly back to Savannah, Georgia. And at the same time, my wife was driving home from Florida the exact same time, and she was driving home, and she encountered a horrible accident. She didn't know it at the time, because this was far south. But just north of Jacksonville, there was a horrible accident on, on I-95, and it, she was in Orlando, and it took her almost 10 hours to get to Bluffton, right? That's a, that's a detour, and we're hearing about it. We're on the plane. I was telling somebody that it was happening to, to my wife. There was somebody else who was not part of our team, and she's like, yes, a tractor-trailer had flipped over, went into the other lane, and actually killed some people uh, as it tumbled over on top of some cars, right? And the reason I, I share that is it's a, it's a tragic thing. And there were a whole lot of people that day that were on a detour. And you look at that in those moments and you wonder, how in the world, right? How in the world do we keep moving forward? How in the world, right, do, do I help in these moments? As all of these folks, their li- some people's lives changed forever. Some people just got stuck in traffic. But it's a reminder for each and every one of us that there are others on a detour, on a path that God has them on. And you don't necessarily know the why behind it, by the way. In Genesis 42, we're just introduced to this very beginning. I want to throw out just a few points as we walk through this. The first one is this is I want you to remember that, that grace, sometimes grace, we're going to use this interchanging word today, grace and favor. I want you to think of those two words, grace and favor. We're going to use them interchangeably. And the way that I'm defining grace in this is God's unmerited and undeserved favor, right? And, and so the, one of the things I want you to remember is that sometimes grace or God's favor falls on the just and the unjust. And this is really hard for us. Right? Remember, the definition of grace is undeserved, unmerited, or unearned favor. And it's really hard for us, if you're in the room, right, if you're listening, and you're somebody who feels like you're a, a person that's just, then you think that you deserve grace and favor. But the reality of it is, none of us really deserves grace and favor, right? Right? But sometimes you got to realize that grace falls on the just and the unjust. I'll give you an example. How many of you love October? Right? How many of you love the cool mornings? How many of you have loved taking a walk in the evening without, you know, stepping outside the house and beginning to sweat right away? I think most of us have. Well, guess What? That's part of you You hear God's favor, and it falls on the just and the unjust. You don't get to experience that just because you're a Christian. Everybody gets to experience that in the low country right now, right? So sometimes it just falls on the just and the unjust. And, and here's what I want you to see in Genesis 42 as you walk into this. is When they're on their detour, the big picture is that God had, had, God had gone before everybody in this moment. Everybody that's in that region around Egypt, God went before them and God positioned his man, Joseph, right where he needed to be so that Joseph would be able to lead and provide in a way that would preserve all kinds of people. It wasn't just God's people through the line of Jacob, right? It was all of those people God worked in. And that's what you begin to see. So Genesis 42 says, beginning 1, uh, one through <clears throat> 5, When Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why are you standing around looking at one another? I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we will die. So Joseph's 10 older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain, but Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, go with them for fear some harm might come to him. So Jacob's sons arrived in Egypt along with others to buy food, for the famine was in Canaan as well. right? So, so, you, so you hear this story. and I remember if, if we talked about it, is Benjamin would be um, Joseph's full brother. The other brothers are half-brothers, um, and, and they're, they're really close with Jacob. Like, he, he has this favorite thing going on. And so now it's, it's poured out in the life of Benjamin, who, by the way, right now is probably in his 20s. Right? This isn't an adolescent or even an early teenager. This is a guy that's probably in his 20s at this point but Jacob will not let him go to Canaan. But the thing you've got to realize is that in God's providence, the big picture of what he's doing, he allowed his favor to fall on everybody that was around, right? And and so now it comes to Jacob and his sons, and whatever had happened for them, they weren't, they didn't know that the famine was coming, so they had not spent seven years preparing for it like Joseph had done with the folks in Egypt. And so now they're at a place where something has to change, and he hears the word, and by the way, it wasn't through social media. So word had gotten to Jacob somehow, and he decides, I need to send my sons to Egypt. And so he sends 10 of his sons to Egypt, holds back Benjamin, and here's kind of what you got to remember. And this is—I've already said this, but I want to mention again: when you are on your detour, someone else is on theirs too. So, all that we've walked with Joseph, right? We haven't really seen much that's going on with his brothers back in back in uh, in Canaan. Like, we haven't really heard much about it. But what we see now is that God has interrupted their life, and God has caused them to wind up on a detour to a place where now they're going to go to Egypt and wind up face-to-face with Joseph. And that's how God works. And it's something, honestly, that's so hard for us to remember because we are a very self-absorbed people. And when we're so self-absorbed, right, we, we have a tendency to forget, hey, this is happening to others out there as well it's not just me there's actually others who are on a detour with their life just like i'm on a detour for my life and that's what happens so pick up right now in verse six six through nine he says since joseph was governor of all of egypt in charge of selling grain to all the people it was to him that his brothers came when they arrived they bowed before him with their faces to the ground remember his dreams okay just making sure joseph recognized his brothers instantly but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them where are you from he demanded from the land of canaan they replied we have come to buy food although joseph recognized his brothers they didn't recognize him and he remembered the dreams he'd had about them many years before he said, you are spies, you have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. Now, i just interrupt, let me just throw this out there for you for a moment as you think about it, because um, you, you can read through, and we're not reading, by the way, we're not reading all of these chapters, we're just going to kind of hit some highlights, but it would be really easy, right, as you're, as you're reading this, there's a couple things that would come to mind. One is, man, Joseph didn't extend them a lot of grace, And that would be really easy for you to to make that jump. And so that's why I want to encourage you. you got to read it all. Okay? Because he spoke harshly to them. But you got to also remember what's happening. Right? What's happening in this moment is that God's grace has been poured out because he has already provided. He has provided everything they all need for them to be able to be fed through this famine. So when they show up to Joseph... I, I look at it, and I think, man, I don't know about you guys, but it would be really hard for me not to make a point of, hey, guys, remember that dream I had? Oh, by the way, I'm Joseph. <laughs> I would want to tell them, right? I don't know if you're like that. I would want to say, see, I told you so, but, but he didn't, right? He, he didn't do that. He didn't say the I told you so, he kind of let this play out, and he, he basically is accusing them of being spies to see how vulnerable, so they're going to come in, he thinks, or accuses them of, they're not, he doesn't think that, but he, he believes, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really press in on them, he starts asking about their families, because, because he, he wants to know, right, so he's asking about, are there any more brothers, basically he's trying to get to this place of knowing, is Benjamin okay, he begins to ask about his dad, not like personally, but do you have a father and all of those things. Like he's, he's pressing in because he wants to know this has been 20 or so years, 22 years, 23 years since he has last seen them. They don't recognize them because of his position in Egypt. But you have to realize that God has people on their detour. Now here's, the, here's one of the big pictures as you realize that is that God wants his favor to flow through you into the lives of others. Now, this is a tough one, right? Because we do, when we go through our life, we we get to this place where we are very self-absorbed, and we don't realize that as God has poured out his favor on you at different times and different seasons, he wants To use you, right, to pour out his favor into the lives of the people. You actually begin to see this in the life of Abraham when he tells Abraham that through Abraham, right, that all the nations of the world would be blessed. And you begin to see how that plays out throughout Scripture that God wants to use his people for his favor to be poured out into the lives of other people. God wants to use you so that others can see, as a New Testament believer, to see Jesus in you. And so the question becomes, how good you doing with that? Now, if if you're like me, you're struggling along the way. I just be honest, like, I threw a temper tantrum because my luggage was just a little bit over the limit. Like, that's not the only time I've done that, by the way. It's the only time I'm going to tell you about today, but that's not the only time I've done that. And along the way, there have just been these moments where I have an opportunity to either be a blessing and pour out God's favor and grace into the lives of other people, or I become so self-absorbed with what's happening to me that I want to ignore what's happening in the lives of other people, and that's the big challenge that we all find ourselves in. So here's what I want to look at as we as we go through the rest of this this morning. Okay, I, I want you to to lean into right. How is it that Joseph's brothers right were shown favor? or grace as a result of Joseph and how he dealt with them. Okay? Now, big picture is next week we're going to talk about how he was able to do that. And we're going to talk next week. I'm just going to tease it out here. Next week we're going to talk about this big word called forgiveness. But this week I want you to see actually what happened In these moments and next week it's going to be you're going to realize that through forgiveness you're able to do that and this is where we're going to begin to jump around a little bit so how did joseph's brothers experience god's favor through joseph and we're going to pick up in verse um, 25 and 26 okay Um, basically they get to this place where joseph um, he decides that they're going to give them some grain, but he also really wants to see his brother. And so at first, he says, I'm going to keep everybody in prison, but I'm going to send one of you back. That's what he says first. And so what he did was, he took all, all of them for three days and put them in prison. And during those three days, for whatever reason, Joseph kind of changed his heart, okay? That's God, by the way, just to throw it out there. God working. And so you get to this place in verses 25 and 26, and it says this, that Joseph then ordered his servants to fill the men's sacks with grain, but he also gave, uh, he also gave secret instructions to return each brother's payment at the top of his sack, He also gave them supplies for their journey home. So the brothers loaded their donkeys with the grain and headed for home. And here's what I want you to see just in this. They showed up, right, needing provision, but they received more. Now, you might look at that and you might think, but wait a minute. You know, Joseph's kind of being sneaky and he's putting that money back in there, which, by the way, what you'll see later is he never asks for the money back. Not only that, but think about this, okay? So... At first, he was going to send one of them back and he was going to keep nine of them in prison. But in this change of heart, he decides he's going to send nine of them back and keep one in prison so that those nine were able to take all of the grain and supplies that they needed to go back to Canaan to their family. And they were able to provide for them, loaded up to the hilt with everything they needed, even enough for the journey home. That's grace. If you ever wonder what grace is, that's grace. Sometimes we look at the Old Testament, I'll be honest, I do the same thing. You look at the Old Testament and you think, man, God was so harsh in the Old Testament. But you know what? God was so gracious in the Old Testament. Because these brothers had done nothing to deserve for God to provide for them in this way. They came looking for provision, and God met their provision, and oh, so much more, and he did it through the life of Joseph. It wasn't an accident. That's the first one. So they go home, okay, we're going to pick up in verse, uh, in in chapter 43 in just a second, so if you just want to get there, but they go home, uh, those, those nine brothers, they go home, they're back with Their father, their family, all gathered around them, husbands, wives, like everybody's reunited. They're telling the story of what happened with this um, governor in Egypt. They didn't know it was Joseph, so they weren't talking about Joseph, but they felt like he was kind of harsh with them. They even discovered, like, they put this money back in our bags, and so if we ever go back to them, like, they're going to want to kill us along the way. And Joseph had given them very, very strict instructions. He said, do not come back without your brother Benjamin. Do not come back without Benjamin, so that you will prove to me that you are not spies seeking to take over our land. Now, here's, here's this next thought. Is they returned, and this is where we're going to get to in 43. They returned fearful, right? But were reminded that God is faithful. They returned fearful, but were reminded that God is faithful. This takes, actually, a little bit of time to unfold. So let's look at, this is verses 1 and 2, and then 11, and, 11 through 14. It says this, But the famine continued to ravage the land of Canaan, so they, they basically, when the grain they had brought from Egypt was almost gone, Jacob said to his sons, go back and buy us a little more food. But they go on. They, we're not going to read all of that. But basically, it's like, okay, but we can't go without Benjamin. You weren't there, Dad. But he's not giving us any more food if we don't go back with Benjamin. So Jacob, by the way, this is a repeated pattern in his life. So Jacob decides, okay, not only will I, uh, I he does actually relent and let Benjamin go, but he also, he did this when he, he actually encountered his brother Esau earlier in the book of Genesis. He goes and he takes, uh, goes above and beyond. He's like, he's, he wants to send all of these gifts ahead. Like, he wants to provide all of these gifts. It's, it, we call it today a bribe. But that's what he's going to do. Okay, so 11 through uh, through 14 says, So their father Jacob finally said to them, If it can't be avoided, then at least do this. Pack your bags with the best products of this land. Take them down to the man as gifts, balm, honey, gum, aromatic resin, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Also, take double the money that was put back in your sacks, as it was probably someone's mistake. Then take your brother and go back to the man. And may God Almighty give you mercy as you go before the man, so that he will release Simeon and let Benjamin return. But, if I must lose my children, so be it. Now here's here's where I say this, right? So, skip to verse 19 with me. I want you to remember the statement. They returned fearful, but were reminded that God is faithful. Faithful. Which, by the way, if you really look at what's happening in this moment, it should be, it should be Jacob and his family that are the ones that are reminding others of God's faithfulness. But that's actually not what happens here. They show back up, the brothers in verse 19 said, approach the manager of Joseph's household and spoke to him. At the entrance to the palace, they'd been invited to to Joseph's palace and they didn't know why. They really thought they were in trouble. Sir, they said, we came to Egypt once before to buy food, but as we were returning home, we stopped for the night and opened our sacks and then we discovered that each man's money, the exact amount paid, was in the top of his sack. Here it is. We have brought it back with us and we have additional money to buy more food and we have no idea who put our money in our sacks fearful fearful and then the household manager steps in and he says relax don't be afraid your god remember it should be them telling the egyptians but instead it's the egyptians who have seen joseph right and learned of joseph's faith along the way relax your God, the God of your father, must have put this treasure into your sacks. I know I received your payment. And then he released Simeon and brought him out to them. They returned fearful, but were reminded that God is faithful. And here's one of the things that you've got to remember in your life. You're going to walk through different seasons and different circumstances, and you're going to think there's a lot of reason for you to be afraid. And if you, don't have, if you don't have somebody in your life that's reminding you that God is faithful, then you need to remind yourself that God is faithful. Don't get into this place of, of living a life of fear because of what's happening to you. But instead, get to this place where you are reminding yourself of God's faithfulness all along the way all along the journey. If you're a parent in the room, one of the things you want to do is you want to keep tracing God's faithfulness to your family so that your kids are hearing about God's faithfulness along the way. So that it's helping them in their faith and it's encouraging them in their faith. Because, listen, it's, it's all too easy for us in this world to walk through being fearful. But if we can flip the script... And we can get to this place of realizing that we don't have to walk in fear because our God is the faithful one. I don't have to live in fear because my God is faithful. I can walk into any and every season and any and every circumstance no matter what comes because God is faithful. And we need to remind ourselves of that because here's, you might be in your season right now and things are just going splendidly for you. And I'm so glad that that is the case. But I also want to remind you, you never know what's on the horizon. You never know what's just around the corner. You never know what that next phone call might be or the knock on the door might be. And I'm not trying to just scare you. I just want you to know that you you have every right, right, in some ways to go, but I'm afraid. But you don't have to be afraid. You can choose to walk through the next season of your life with confidence, because you serve a faithful God. And Joseph's brothers, you can see they, they, had, they had no faith. Jacob himself had very little faith. That's why he sends bribes every time he's got to confront his past. But God is so, so faithful in that. So they were fearful. But we're reminded that God is faithful. Here's the next one. I have two more, and then we're, we're getting towards the end. They arrived as foreigners. And this is this is one of the really beautiful pictures of this. They were they arrived as foreigners, but they were welcomed at the table. Pick up in verses twenty three uh, or twenty uh, yeah twenty four actually. Uh, through the end of uh, the chapter. And it says this, Then the manager then led the men into Joseph's palace. He gave them water to wash their feet and provided food for their donkeys. They were told they would be eating there, so they prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon. They still don't get it. When Joseph came home, they gave him the gifts that they had brought him. They bowed low to the ground before him. After greeting them, he asked, How is your father the old man you spoke about? Is he still alive? Yes, they replied. Our father, your servant, is alive and well. And they bowed low again. Then Joseph looked at his brother Benjamin, the son of his own mother. Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? Joseph asked. May God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried from the room because he was overcome with emotion for his brother. He went into his private room where he broke down and he wept. After washing his feet, he came back out keeping himself under control, and then he ordered, bring out the food. The waiter served Joseph at his own table, and his brothers were served at a separate table. The Egyptians who ate with Joseph sat at their own table because Egyptians despise Hebrews and refused to eat with them. Although the Egyptians were the ones that reminded them that their God is faithful, how cool is that? Joseph told Each of his brothers were to sit, and to their amazement, he seated them according to age, from oldest to youngest. And Joseph filled their plates with food from his own table, giving Benjamin five times as much as he gave the others. So they feasted and drank freely with them. They showed up as foreigners, and they were welcomed at the table. Which, by the way, if that's not a picture of what Jesus has done for us, I just, I'm not sure what is. Because we are the foreigners, by the way. See, we're not the Israelites. Most of us are the Egyptians. But the reality of it is, through Christ, He has welcomed all of us around the table, all of us are welcome. You might be sitting there and going, but you don't know what I've done. I don't know what you've done, but you know who does know what you've done? God knows what you've done. And he, through Christ, still welcomes you at the table. He's not holding these things against you. He's not throwing them back in your face. He is welcoming you at the table. No matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how badly you think you've sinned, you are welcomed at God's table through Christ Jesus. arrived as a foreigner but you're welcomed at the table and here's just this last one to think about right they abandoned their own but they were embraced as brothers and this is where we we kind of have to skip ahead so in chapter 45 basically let me summarize what happens joseph still to this point has not revealed himself to his brothers and so basically he fills basically their, their stuff back up with grain, and he sends them along the way, but he puts his cup, he has his servants put his silver cup in Benjamin's bag. And as they depart, Jacob send, or Joseph sends his servants and they meet up with them, and they accuse the brothers of someone stealing their master's silver cup. And they're adamant. There's no way any of us did this. We did not do this. In fact, you can put to death the one who did this. Go ahead and look. And so they did and they found the cup in Benjamin's bag. And Oh, could you imagine how their hearts sank as they had gone through so much to convince their father to allow them to send Benjamin. They all wind up back in Joseph's presence. And they beg. And they plead. And I just want you to listen to this for a minute. Okay, you don't have to read it because it's not on the screen, but I want you to listen. Joseph could no longer stand it. There were many people in the room and he said to his attendants, out all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. This is so grace, so much grace is seen in this. Then he broke down and he wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him and word of it spread and quickly carried through Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers, is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them, Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. That's a great perspective. But we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Now hurry back, he says to my father, and tell him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and everything you own, and I will take care of you there. For there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you and your household and all your animals will starve. And this is what I want you to see, right? Then Joseph added, Look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I really am Joseph. Go tell your father my honored position in Egypt. Describe for him everything that you have seen, and then bring my father here quickly. In verse 14, Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them after they had began talking freely with him. They abandoned their own, but were embraced as brothers. That's grace. And all along the journey that you find yourself on, I'm telling you, God wants to use you to pour out his grace and favor into the lives of people around you. The question is, will you allow him? Will you allow him to use you in that way? Will you allow him to do a work in your heart and in your life, right, to be used in the lives of people around you so that God gets the glory and people are reminded along the way that he is faithful. He has a purpose for the detour that you find yourself on right now. And you may not know it yet. You may not completely understand it. You may not have all the answers. It might be incredibly painful. And I do realize that and understand that. But I'm telling you, he has a plan and a purpose for where you are right now in this moment. Next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness. The week after that, we're going to talk about the big picture, right, of how God works in the midst of all of our circumstances as we conclude in two weeks. The story of Joseph. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for us as we sing one more song together as we close our time. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word today. God, thank you that through Christ, um, first and foremost, we know that we we experience and know your favor and grace in our life. God, thank you that you continue to move and work in us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to really live open handed believing that the things that we are going through can be used for your glory and our good and even the good of others that we meet along the way. So God, we ask you to use us in whatever way that you see fit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing together as we close our time.